0: I think that folks who go into the teaching profession are inherently curious people. But how do we feed that curiosity? Where are the new places for teaching? Maybe one place is the art museum. This is a podcast about visual art at Auburn University. My name is Chris Molinsky, director of education at the Jewel Collins Smith Museum of Fine Art. Today, I talked with Mimi Hellman about how an art museum can engage faculty across campus in new ways. At Auburn, we imagine the art museum to be a hub for all disciplines. But what does that mean? How do faculty engage with the museum, especially if they haven't done it before? How does the art museum become, in Mimi's words, a space for productive disruption? Mimi is an art historian and professor at Skidmore College in New York, where she works closely with the Tang Museum, a teaching museum at Skidmore. If you work at a university and you've never taught at an art museum, you might logically think, where do I start? Why should I do this?
1: It's understandable, I think, that the reaction some faculty might have initially to an invitation to teach at the museum might be, well, my courses are doing fine the way they are. I have everything that I need in my lab. I have everything that I need in my studio or in my lecture hall. Uh, what's, what's the point of relocating, right? It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like something unfamiliar that uh, might disrupt in a negative way the classroom dynamic and the usual classroom procedures. And I think that that kind of response is entirely understandable. Faculty work very hard and are trained for many, many, many years to be practitioners in their disciplines. Uh, And once they've honed their skills, there often seems to be no particular reason to relocate the learning experience to another environment. But I do think that relocating to the museum as any activity that brings people into a different space, that brings people into a different environment, it really perks up the brain, doesn't it? <laughs> when we're in a less familiar environment, we're more alert. We're more observant. We're more self-aware. We can also be a lot more uncomfortable, right, out of our, our usual orbit. But I think that, that that's changed from comfort to discomfort, what uh, I like to call productive disruption. Can open up a kind of self-awareness about learning and about teaching. It helps us to understand that teaching and learning are situated and constructed practices. They're not naturalized practices. And we can talk about why a lecture hall is set up in a certain way, why a laboratory or a studio is set up in a certain way. And getting out of those spaces into the museum throws that particularity into relief. And we can then talk about why a museum is set up in a certain way. So I think becoming more self-aware and reflective and productively uncomfortable by changing environments and by changing procedures, to be looking at an artwork instead of through a microscope, to be looking at an original object instead of something projected on a screen in a lecture hall. Uh, It can jog folks out of a kind of disciplinary complacency as teachers and learners. And I think that that can be very, very productive.
0: There are two things that I love about this idea of productive disruption. One, artists are great disruptors. They ask questions, sometimes questions without any answers attached to them. The second thing I love is that museums need to be disrupted. They need to be spaces where new voices are heard. Mimi and her colleagues have done so much work developing tools at Skidmore for faculty to engage with the Tang. I asked her for some examples some activities that faculty could plug into their syllabus to get their classes into the museum.
1: One of the things that we really enjoy doing at the Tang with both faculty and students is an exercise that we call Look, Speak, Listen, Draw. It's a partner exercise, and it is tremendously valuable for cultivating visual observation, awareness of language use, careful listening, collaboration, empathy, and patience. All skills that are enormously important across disciplines and also in many, many professional settings as well. So the way it works is that we pair two people up and we give them a small object. Objects that are fairly simple visually and materially tend to work the best for this exercise. Nothing too complicated. And we arrange the partners so that they're sitting back to back or facing away from each other. One person has the object in front of them. Their partner cannot see the object. Their partner has a pencil and a piece of paper. (laughs) So the exercise is for the person looking at the object to slowly and precisely describe the object so that their partner can attempt to draw the object. The person looking at the object is not allowed to peek at the drawing. The person drawing the object is not allowed to peek at the actual object that their partner is looking at. This turns out to be an extremely challenging, often very frustrating experience. When faculty try this exercise, they very quickly are reconnected with the feeling that students have pretty much every day of their academic lives, which is a sense of struggling, of not quite understanding what's happening, of feeling called upon to do something that that maybe one doesn't quite feel prepared to rise up to. Uh, So it's a terrific reminder to faculty of what it really feels like to be a struggling learner. Uh, And for students, it's a really, really effective exercise in thinking about word choice listening to somebody else, meeting them where they are, figuring out what they need in order for the two of you to accomplish something successfully.
0: Another important area where the museum can have an impact on campus is through science and math. I think sometimes we make the assumption that an art museum is not the place where a math class can meet. But Mimi says in her experience that's not true.
1: I think that the museum can be a terrific space for teaching math. We have a faculty member in the mathematics and statistics department at Skidmore who's been working with a curator at the Tang Teaching Museum to create an introductory math course. It's a course that fulfills a core requirement in quantitative reasoning, so it's a good example of embedding museum-based learning into the curriculum at the level of the general education curriculum, the level of the core curriculum, something that many, many students experience early in their college career. And in the course, artworks are used, and in fact, the physical space of the gallery and even the physical structure of the museum itself are used to teach math principles. So you can teach geometry, you can teach estimation, you can teach statistics, you can teach many, many aspects of basic mathematics using artworks, you can talk about the percentage of an artwork that is devoted to a particular color. You can talk about how the pictorial space of an artwork is divided up geometrically. You can talk about how many gallons of paint might be needed to paint a gallery uh, given the square footage and the number of ounces of paint needed per square foot in order to get good coverage. You can talk about how many bricks uh, or pieces of masonry are used in the museum facade. You can talk about the proportion of steps going up and down inside the museum, uh, the, the the width of the step, the height of the step, and the the kind of uh, perhaps um, calculations that are that are made there in order to facilitate movement through the museum. So it's often quite surprising to both faculty and students to imagine learning math in the museum, but as a physical environment uh, that is packed full of all kinds of interesting objects that have many, many mathematical principles embedded in them. It's it's a really vibrant and rich environment. And one of the things that comes out of the math in the museum class that adds another, I think, really valuable dimension to student learning is that the culminating project of this class is something called a math trail. A math trail is a public-facing experience that students create for museum visitors that teaches visitors quantitative reasoning principles through artworks that are currently on view in the museum. So students get to create their own math trail. This can be a physical handout on a piece of paper that's provided in the museum or some kind of a brochure, it could also be presented in the the form of an app or an augmented reality kind of an experience uh, that that visitors can apply when they're standing in front of artworks. Uh, The the particular interface is, is less important, I think, than the possibility of students actually using what they've learned in order to teach it then to the general public. And another thing that we have found to be enormously valuable in our, our work at the Tang is that when students create public facing content, whether it's labels, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, a reinstallation of artworks in the museum, uh, when they're doing something that other people are going to experience beyond the space of the classroom, their sense of investment their sense of commitment, their sense of responsibility is so much greater. And the quality of the work that they produce is typically much stronger than what faculty see in conventional assignments that are based entirely in the classroom.
0: It's this last part that stands out to me in our work. The museum is a space for students to become public scholars, public thinkers, to make things that exist beyond the classroom. And maybe this idea connects back to productive disruption. I think what we're saying to faculty is that if you want to energize your classes, if you want to create a spark of new and unexpected ways for students to engage with the material, come to the art museum.
1: I think there are probably a number of ways in which we can think about the concept of productive disruption. It it can be as simple as relocation in space simply being in a different learning environment that throws the assumptions and the, and the very constructed practices of learning into relief. Uh, so it can be literally just a, ch- a change of scene that makes students and faculty more aware of what the learning process actually entails, uh, as something that is formed by conventions, by, by histories, by particular practices, uh, that it's not at all natural, but is, in fact, highly constructed. I think another way to think about productive disruption is if faculty feel comfortable enough, (laughs) paradoxically comfortable talking about disruption and discomfort, if they feel able to talk to their students about themselves being learners, about themselves being outside their comfort zone, I think that's enormously valuable for students. Uh, So when students see their faculty trying something new, taking a bit of a risk, going into a different space, working with different types of materials, then the students observe faculty doing something that we would like for our students to be able to do, right? Risk-taking, openness to new ideas and experiences, intellectual humility, self-awareness as a learner. And so I think the opportunity to model that for students is an enormously valuable thing that faculty can offer. I think that folks who go into the teaching profession are inherently curious people. And paradoxically, it seems that sometimes as we become more entrenched in our fields, as we become more entrenched in our uh, institutional cultures and in our pedagogical practices, sometimes faculty lose that sense of excitement and curiosity and hunger that they may have felt as graduate students or uh, as as emerging scholars in their fields. And so I do think that the museum can be a space that re-energizes learning for faculty. Uh, that that reawakens curiosity and hunger for knowledge, hunger for collaboration, hunger for growth, that, that many, many faculty feel.
0: If you teach in and around Auburn, Alabama, get in touch. We want to hear from you. My thanks to Mimi Hellman for talking with us about how to be an effective teaching museum. All museum programs, including this podcast, are made possible by listeners like you. Go to jcsm.auburn.edu to make a gift. Thanks for your support.